It's Tuesday, November 17, 2009. As the two largest consumers and producers of energy, there can be no solution to this challenge without the efforts of both China and the United States. Obama in China with who? And how? And when? Decelerating on the road to Copenhagen, dirty diaper power, plus, are your balls a danger to the environment? Uh, what? What? I'm Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. And I'm Desi Doyan. Prepare for six minutes of green news and, yeah, snarky comment. Wouldn't cap and trade lead to higher taxes? Why should we have to cut emissions when China does it? Above all, why is truth more important than convenience? Good question, Stephen. This is your Green News Report. report is brought to you by velvetrevolution.us. You've heard our reports on the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's shameless assault on climate change legislation. Now it's your turn to push back. Please go to stopthechamber.com and sign the petition demanding an investigation and accountability for the chamber's irresponsible behavior. Sign on at stopthechamber.com. That's stopthechamber.com. Okay, Des, we'll get to the threat to the environment that are my balls in a minute. But first, these headlines. <laughs> President Obama is on his first official state visit to Asia this week to discuss trade and other major issues with leaders of China and other Asian Pacific nations. In a town hall style meeting in Shanghai attended by university students, Obama addressed the importance of cooperation between the U.S. and China, specifically on climate change. All of us should have these certain obligations in terms of what our plan will be to reduce uh, these greenhouse gases. Because I will tell you, other countries around the world will be waiting for us. President Obama met extensively with the Chinese President Hu Jintao. President Hu? Yes. Who? Yes. All right, go ahead. In a joint press conference yesterday, the two presidents announced agreements on several initiatives. As President Hu indicated, we are creating a joint clean energy research center and have achieved agreements on energy efficiency, renewable energy, cleaner uses of coal, electric vehicles, and shale gas. We also agreed to work toward a successful outcome in Copenhagen. Actually, that's Copenhagen, Mr. Copenhagen. President. You called the, uh, Danish, the Danish embassy, embassy to yeah. find out, right? They're the ones who should know how to and pronounce that. And you thought bowing to the uh, president was bad. This is going to be an international incident with uh, Copenhagen. Hagen. However, the really big announcement out of the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit is the announcement that the world governments are scaling back expectations for reaching a binding agreement at the U.N. climate talks in Copenhagen in just a few weeks. So how exactly are they scaling back for Copenhagen? What was planned before and what will be planned now, hopefully? Well, previously, the hope was that they were going to be able to create both a political agreement and a legally binding one that would actually, you know, set the emissions targets and set how they were going to be measured and what the consequences would be if those emissions targets were not met. And now it's just a framework, a general idea, a hope, a dream, a plan. For It'll the be a little bit more specific than that, but they are committing to an agreement out of Copenhagen to continue and then commit to whatever legal framework is agreed to. Chief among the reasons for the delay is the divide between rich and poor countries. Developing nations say rich nations are historically responsible for most of the emissions and should go first. Also, how much funding poor nations will receive to offset the impacts of global warming and the cost of moving to a low-carbon economy. And also cited was the inability of the U.S. Congress to pass any climate legislation. I mean, nobody is going to move unless the U.S. and China make hard commitments first. Well, one of, and one of the complaints by the Republicans uh, as far as entering into any of these treaties was that China and India weren't playing along. Now it appears, at least, that 
China does seem quite willing to play along with uh, th this agreement, correct? And, yes, and some observers say that you know this could be a good thing to take the drama out of the deadline, that it's more important to get a good agreement than just any old agreement. We've reported in the past on generating energy from waste, such as burning methane released from decomposing landfills or manure lagoons, and now two British companies plan to generate electricity from something every parent knows too well, diapers. Their plant will recycle disposable diapers and divert them from landfills. They're going to use the um, organic material from these pre-owned diapers. The organic material from so pre-owned diapers. Okay. Yes, that's going to generate the electricity that would be necessary to recycle them. The recycled part of these diapers will be turned into reusable paper pulp and plastic. This is a great idea because it's a huge problem, yeah, there's uh, landfill about, diapers. Yes, it's estimated that a child, the average child, will use 7,000 diapers in their lifetime. Diapers only take up about 2% of landfills, but that's still something that takes about 500 years to decompose. Wow. Is golf dangerous for the environment? Uh, this is this what you meant about the balls? Yes, this is what we meant okay. about the balls. It might be overstating Aren't it. Are you working blue again, Jess? The Danish Golf Union decided to look into the environmental impact of lost and discarded golf balls, and it isn't pretty. Considering that a golf ball is estimated to take maybe a thousand years to decompose, no one knows for sure because neither golf nor golf balls have been around that long. And they do know, however, that golf balls release toxic metals into the environment when they begin to decompose. The question came up when scientists were using a submarine in Loch Ness to look for the Loch Ness Monster and instead saw thousands of golf balls. Really? There's an estimated 300 million golf balls lost or discarded every year, so the researchers are trying to encourage people to use biodegradable golf balls. Most of those balls are lost by my father, by the way. Read about your balls at our website, greennews.bradblog.com. You can follow us at Twitter at Green News Report. You can also drop us a line, greennews at bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire.